this stuff that we're talking about is too important for us to rush through. Welcome to the Inspiral Podcast, a podcast exploring personal growth, leadership, strategy, communication, and fulfillment. We are your hosts, Jason Luckefeld and Bill Woodburn. I'm here as a dentist transitioning into a career to help facilitate individuals and their organizations towards a more fulfilling future. Hi there, I'm Bill Woodburn, and I'm a licensed professional counselor and licensed marriage and family therapist in Austin, Texas. I'm fascinated by the way people come together to solve problems, whether that's couples or families, dental practices or organizations. We're going to be exploring a lot of topics, and for us to be able to be free to do that, I have to let you know that this is not intended to be dental advice or counseling advice. So I I like something you brought up there, Ryan, that I think would be good for us to extend into, and that is when you notice you're losing the patient's attention. And I think for for what you do, it's it's on a different level than what most people are doing. I mean, most of us are going in an operatory on the first visit and we're rattling off a list of treatment options and patients are zoning out in that conversation as well. So uh, if you could, maybe both of you, you and Bill, talk about the things you do when you start noticing eyes glazing over, as you said, eyes darting into a different location. How do you bring people back? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you my go-to, and it's just Ryan style. I lean into it. I never, I almost never let that closing window pass because it's an opportunity to help them get clear about what it is that they're feeling and be able to express that or choose to let me into that a little bit. So the most common one I think that 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 I think most people have seen is a glance at a watch. And especially with smartwatches now, you're getting alerts. And I need to know, are they just getting buzzed in this habit or are they late? And I we're going too long and, and their mind is somewhere else. They got a kid to pick up. So I'm always leaning into it. And I've never found any trouble with that. I've had some people be like, oh my gosh, yeah, I'm just super busy. I'm so sorry. And I go, and I get the opportunity to actually meet them where they're at and say, you know, this stuff that we're talking about is too important for us to rush through. Do can you give me a, a time frame that works for you so that we can shut it down by then and you know we're going to stop and and we can we can always complete this at a later date. We can finish this, you know, but trying to meet that patient where they're at. So my go-to move is I'm leaning into it. I'm asking the hard questions in a way that helps the patient get clear about they may not even know it sometimes. And it I don't ever want to create guilt or shame around, oh my gosh, you're distracting me, but you are distracting me. I'm I'm here trying to connect with you as a human and help you figure out what you want. And this is good work and valuable work. And I'm not getting your full attention. I need to know why I'm not. And without judgment, know why you're not so that I can either optimize your experience or pick a different day or try a different method. Maybe, maybe they're like, this is too much technical jargon. I, you lost me 20 minutes ago. I go, oh my gosh, thank you for telling me that. Let me see if I can modify my, my approach a little bit to help serve you better. So, you know, I like hearing about, you know, leaning into the communication because, you know, one of the things I see that goes wrong is Dennis is in, in a conference with a patient and the patient gets lost and they don't say anything mm-hmm. and they kind of glaze over. The dentist doesn't want to bring up anything that might 
end up being a rejection for them. So they shut up. And so now we've got two people who are getting further and further away from each other. And sometimes it, it, it's risking hearing something you don't want to hear by going ahead and staying engaged, even if the other person's struggling. So, mm-hmm. and that's what, what I was, and that's what I've done in that scenario where they're darting eyes past me. I lock in a little bit more and almost make it impossible for them to to do that because of my presence and 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 like like exactly like you talked about, Bill. The thing that's more you know easier to notice about looking at a watch, it's like okay, that's time bound, and there's some things that really need to be talked about. So I, I lean into it, whether I actually ask really good pointed questions about the distraction or I literally or figuratively lean into it and try to become a little more engaging or try to figure out how I can capture their attention or get them back on board with where I'd like to like us to go. Okay. And, and I'm following their lead anyway. So it's kind of easy to do that because I'm already kind of in that mode of I'm following your lead. Where do you want to go? Uh, and um, I recently changed my uh, my GP, and uh, I, I I like stu- studying her because she she's really got this down, and she is all she is so adroit at the orientation statement early on to tell me what we're doing there, what we're trying to accomplish, and mm. where I fit into that. And it's just a couple of sentences. She doesn't go on and on. But I, I've noticed that they're pretty carefully chosen words yeah. that 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 are pretty exact. Very much, Brian, like what you're saying is, is to impart that there's something important that's about to happen. And here's what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, wow, those those couple of sentences are super important. Yeah. My my actual sentences that I think orient the patient to that, Bill, are, you know, you know, ask them if they have any questions about what they're getting into today. But then it's it's, you know, because they don't really ever ask anything. It, And I say, you know, my goals for today's appointment, it's data collection. Now, the most important data that we're going to collect today is your story. I need and want to hear from you. I want to know what you liked about dentistry, what you haven't liked about dentistry, what you're hoping I can help you with. So I'd love to hear that in your own words. Now they know, yes, x-rays are important, photos are important. They probably take time, those impression things they do. But I I already told them the most important thing I want to know data-wise today is I want to know about you. And they get to settle into not making these short, like two-minute answers because they know I'm trying to get to the next step. They go, no, 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 everything about today is me. And I get to tell the whole story and it gives them permission to actually be more long-winded. And I just kind of sit back after that. And you'd be surprised how much people like talking about themselves, even in categories that they thought initially they didn't want to talk about. And an important piece of that, to swing back to, to the effect of space, if you have some space, if it's new or if it's large, whatever, it's very easy as a patient to see, be swallowed up by the space. But when you engage that way, it helps me as a patient sort of have a place in that space, have a place in that office. And I need to have a place in this new space. Otherwise, you've got you know patients that walk into this new space and that new space and this other new space, and they sit down in a consulting room, which is another new space, and they're constantly having to orient and they're constant, and they in some places they may feel overwhelmed by the space, 
but you've got a way that takes care of that to help mm -hmm. them find a place fairly rapidly. Yeah. Instead of having to just, well, I just don't, not sure I belong here. For sure. I think a critical piece there that allows that to happen with maximal effectiveness is your ability to listen, Ryan. I think mm. there are people that have learned how to ask questions, but they haven't learned how to listen. And patients catch that. And so mm. even though somebody might be saying, I want to hear about you, like you guys were just alluding to, what the doctor wants to hear is, I want to hear you in 90 seconds because I need to get moving, but I've been told I need to ask you about you. So um, ready, go. But I think you demonstrate a level of listening for people that does bring comfort. And there's there's a tremendous value in how we listen to people and how that creates a space for sharing. Yeah. I, I'm acutely aware of something that I think gives me an advantage as a dentist who, who it's, I, there's listening skills that can be learned and we teach those, right? But I know that what I'm doing is a byproduct of a belief system that I have and a clarity about how I want to practice. And the crazy thing is, I know as a matter of fact, and sometimes I tell patients if I feel like I'm they're holding back or I'm not getting them their full version, I actually have a really hard time putting my absolute best energy and effort into a even a great cosmetic case that I love if I don't have a connection to the human being that I'm doing it with. It is crazy to me how important and vital that is to my own um, work, joy and fulfillment and, and how I like to, I like to, I like to do dentistry with my friends, not on my patients. And I need that. I know that for me to put in my best energy, cause it's going to take a lot of work, right? Like these bigger, more complex cases, especially there's a lot of time and energy. I know that once we get there and I'm, I'm making promises and telling them I'm going to help them there's a lot of work on the backside of that. And when I know that it's for someone who I'm like, I get their why, I know what they're here for and I'm connected to it. I want to pour my whole energy and soul into it. And it feels like good work and fulfilling work. And when I don't have that, then I'm sort of just doing dentistry. And that is a little lackluster for me. So my ability to listen well comes from the fact that I have to, it's for me. And, and yes, it's a gift to the patient. That type of generous listening that we teach in, e, in EI is a gift to the patient. But honestly, what the craziest thing that I've seen as a side benefit, it's the gift to me that gives me the ability to care for people and not have compassion fatigue and burnout and struggling with those things because, man, I'm connected to something bigger than myself that matters for this person. They're on this journey and I get to play a small role and I'm excited to play that role versus... I have to go do a wax up or I have to figure out, you know, implant versus, you know, root canal buildup. Like, no, these are things that I get to tap into the, the person that I'm interacting with and meeting and meet them and try to construct this plan that just serves them really, really well. And that feels good. I love showing up to work to do that. So when I have that belief system or that value for hearing and know how much good information I'm getting that I can't live without, you become a really good listener really fast because you need it. You got to have it. It's operational for me. And that would be one thing I would, I wish I could wave a wand and give that to dentists to slow down 
and and just benefit from the gift of true generous listening because it goes both ways. The gift is both bi-directional. It's insane. That's something I think that does give you an unfair advantage because I think that's not the case for most people. So how... My question then is, you started to allude to it there at the end with waving a magic wand, but in the absence of a magic wand, you know, there are techniques that I've learned and attempted to teach to people about like reframing and trying to look at it from a different perspective to change your, uh, uh, change your willingness to engage in some conversations that you might initially be comfortable with and, and, uh, well, the key you said there is be uncomfortable in a little bit. The moment in you with the dentist, there, there's this power dynamic. You're the dentist. You're the doctor. The moment you choose to be a little bit uncomfortable is the moment you win that patient. Mm-hmm. The, the second you choose to be vulnerable yourself and go to a place that's not your favorite place to go to, or you really didn't want to have to ask that, but you got to press in a little. It's a done deal. You've now got their full trust because they're going... You're in this power dynamic. You could just lord over me and tell me what to do, but you decided to come down off off of the throne and meet with me and say, you know what, this may be kind of uncomfortable for me, but I'm going to dive into it. Can you help me understand something about your dental history that would give me make me a better dentist for you moving forward? Oh, you and mean you don't think you're a good dentist yet? N- not yet. I need I need a partnership. I need you to give me stuff to help me be a good dentist. And from the patient side. Uh, that's such a blessing because there's a there's a strange sort of balance that patients seek so that if they're working with a dentist who is very invulnerable, then they want to be invulnerable too. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be the most vulnerable person in the room. Nobody, nobody likes that action. And so the dentist isn't being vulnerable. Well, I won't be vulnerable. And then they're even less vulnerable. So I'm even less vulnerable. And at some point, I I do not want to be vulnerable enough, you know, to even discuss the treatment you're tr- trying to to discuss. Matter of fact, I can be so not wanting to be vulnerable enough that I really don't want to be there. I might make myself be there, but I don't want to be there anymore. So that was great advice on how to undo that is lead with some vulner- vulnerability, which is counts for more because you don't have to be vulnerable. And then what, but what you've set up is then the patient will try to balance that. Mm-hmm. And you can, you can work this whole conversation down into a place that's more vulnerable. So people can tell you what they really need, and what they really want. With that quick dive into attention, engagement, especially listening, forming a connection. I think there's a few tools there you could try out today. So try it, see what you think, and email us with any questions or comments. It's at gmail.com. Until next time.